The silence is killing me. Let me get I'm you my notes. I'm oh, ready dang. I've been ready. Okay. I've been ready for two days. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the third edition of Race and Rehab Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you joining here. Um, we've looked recently at our amount of listeners, and we have a we average about seventy listeners per episode. So we can't thank you guys enough. Uh, starting out, that's um, a great number for us to uh, meet early on in the stages of this podcast. We are filming the day before. My 19th birthday, um, I guess you could say I, I'm blessed to have another year here, but after um, 16 and 18, uh, you know, the the meaning to your birthday kind of just goes down. You know, I don't really want to grow up. I want to stay right where I'm at for as long as I can, but, you know, it's all part of living. But um, we got Connor here. We got Neil here, as always, and uh, our special guest this week. He's from my hometown. Uh, his name's Chase Robertson. He drives uh, in the sportsman division at Bowman Gray Stadium and has done a little bit of driving in the 602 Super Limited Series across the North Carolina um, tracks. Uh, he is the 2019 uh, Rookie of the Year in the sportsman division at Bowman Gray Stadium. Of course, they didn't have 2020 racing at Bowman Gray Stadium due to COVID. So he's uh I know he's definitely excited to get back to the stadium in 2021 just as everybody is. Uh I just want to get a weekly roundup from Connor and Neil. Neil, uh tell us how your week's been. Well, I mean my week's been pretty good, you know, the the basics, you know, going to school. Uh going to school the two days a week that we started going back, you know, uh, actually went to went to Millbridge uh Wednesday night and watched racing you know it, it pains me to go there and not be racing i think i think everybody in here knows that feeling yeah you weren't racing but uh, i saw your snapchat your car's getting pretty close so you got all the wiring and everything in there it's coming along i mean doing it about as much as we can each night you know the white body looks good uh, spoiled the color there a little bit but I've, I've always had a special place for white bodies i think my first few my first four, few quarter midgets were white too so <laughs> I think all of mine were until like the last season. They do look good. I haven't had a white car on dirt yet, so we'll see how this one goes. Oh, yeah. You're going to have fun cleaning that. Yeah. yeah. White cars can be a hassle at times. I know um, my pop, or Robert Jeffries and Lee Jeffries, they have, they have had white cars um, as long as I can remember, basically from the get-go. And pop ran for 40-some-odd years in modifieds and we waxed we you had to wax cars wash and wax cars every week so i know what goes into a white car but it does look a lot i feel that it looks a lot more professional at times than a black car i mean yeah and it just stands out like you go watch a replay or something you can you can pick yourself out out of the crowd pretty easily that's one of the main reasons i did it to be honest it's not that black cars don't like. I mean, I th- I think they look fine, but it's when everybody has one. I mean, at a certain point, you gotta gotta mix it up, paint your tail tank a different color, and just stand out, like Neil said. So, um, Bristol Dirt on iRacing uh, came out this week. Have you guys had a chance to get on there, try it out in different kinds of cars, and how do you feel about it? I think it's fun. I mean, I like it, but the the only problem I have with it is I think a dirt track 
is best with like progressive banking. Because I think yeah. that creates more of a, a two lane. But I mean, obviously, Bristol Dirt's still fun. Yeah, I mean, I really wasn't a fan of it, except in the in the big blocks. I mean, I don't even know why we did it in the midgets, but midgets was terrible. I feel like sprint cars, it really wasn't that racy. I haven't tried the big blocks yet, so yeah, maybe I cup, need to. Yeah, the, the, the big blocks were good. The cup cars were, they're all right. I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like you were just wound, wound way too high in their um, speed to actually get a good race out of it, but that's just my opinion. Another thing that's gone on this week is, We've dove into the to the AI racing fields in high racing. Um, I'm not sure how it came about. We were running one night, and we decided, you know, we're going to create our own fields with people that we know and we can relate to with our racing careers and put them in a field, and we're going to run up against them, and it's going to be just our version of kind of what, nascar on a on a gaming console would be like you know racing some of the drivers that um you know you either grew up watching or you raced around so um yeah how are your ai fields looking and how have you set them up yeah i mean like the ai fields like you said but i mean in reality it's we're yelling at these people like these names that we know in our lives because we all we programmed them to like say dale gross and Jelly Riffle, but in reality, it's just a computer that we're yelling at. So it's pretty funny that way. But I mean, yeah, I'm still getting the still get yeah. tuned in to where it's actually fun. I mean, I get bored after like 20 laps. Uh, I need somebody actually like an actual human to race. But you guys seem pretty uh pretty into it. Yeah, I, I like it. I like. It. I mean, it's fun. But we're, we're talking about yelling at these cars, but we act like we weren't doing the same thing on old NASCAR 2014 back in the Xbox 360 days. Yeah, but even with those, like I wouldn't sit down and play by myself. I needed to play like in your motorhome. <laughs> I needed to play against somebody. I just couldn't do it against. Uh, You're telling me you never did the career mode or nothing like that? No, I would get bored after one. I I get through Daytona and that was it. I I'd I get bored. Believe I did the career mode. I probably oh. finished a couple seasons. Oh, I I did like about two races of my max before I got bored and had Anybody to get something outside. Good on this. What, what you think? I don't. I'm not sure. I definitely, I definitely did the career mode. I, I mean, I did it every now and then, but you know, most of, most of my races on NASCAR were, were with my little brother. Um, oh yeah, for sure. On the split sure. screen, but um, the AI racing is, is kind of just a way for me to get better in the I racing spectrum of fendered race cars. And uh, one guy that knows a lot about driving um, with fenders. And we make fun of them a little bit about it, but you know, um, everybody has their way of racing. Um, Chase Robertson, who was our guest today, um, me and Chase, I got to know Chase uh, through high school. Actually, he was a freshman when I was a senior, and you know, we shared a lot of similar interests. And finally, ended up, you, you know, we live less than ten minutes away from each other, but finally got to uh, know each other right there at high school. So. Um, Right now, we're going to uh, welcome Chase into uh, episode three of Race and Rehab Podcast. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Good. How are you? Uh, doing good. Thanks for having me. So, I have it on good word that you had yourself a football game tonight and you have another one tomorrow night. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, we won 55-7 to seven tonight. Okay. What position do you play? 
I'll play linebacker. Linebacker. All right. All right. Um, so I know a lot about you personally, Chase, but um, my friends, uh, Neil and Connor, they like to get to know you a little bit better. So this is going to um, give them a little bit of an opportunity to uh, get to know you as well as the fans do. So um, I'm going to hand it over to Neil and Connor at this time. Yeah, so like uh, like Levi said, me and Neil, um, we're going to be learning just about, just as much about Chase as the listeners will be this week because, to be honest, I know Chase is Levi's friend that races uh, late models. I don't really know him personally. So um, so we know he, he races late models, but I want to hear a little bit about his past. So uh, Chase, how did you really get involved in racing? Um, did you grow up with it with your family? Um, and did you race stuff before late models? Yeah, I kind of uh, grew into uh, racing. I was uh, I was in my mom's stomach when um, I was around racing. My dad raced. Uh, then he to pass the torch to Ryan, which was is my older brother. Um, he stepped down. Uh, he stepped down racing when I started when I was around twelve. But when I was five, my dad got me a bandolero, and I practiced that till I was about eight and. Actually, I won my first race ever in a Bandolero. Um, There's a three-car field at Ace, and then I raced at Concord a little bit, and then Dad finally got tired of Bandoleros because he didn't know how to work on them and just shoved me up right into a late model at the age of 11. And I started practicing until, like, about 14, and then that was when I raced at Ace, and I finished six. So you talk about Ace with the – you said you raced at Ace with the Bandoleros. Um, did you run a full track in those? or? Yeah, that was the uh, – that, that was a full track. They actually had a go-kart track, a dirt go-kart track in the back, but they closed that down because no one really raced there. They always went to the asphalt track. Yeah, so like <laughs> the Bandoleros, uh, when I raced up north in Massachusetts and Connecticut, they had a Bandolero track near it. And the kids would go there from the quarter midgets and be like, this is so boring because we're all flat <laughs> around this huge-ass track. Is that what um, kind of ace was in a bandolero, kind of just right around the bottom, full throttle? Oh, of course, yeah. We I don't think I ever let up in a bandolero at any track besides Bowling Gray, of course. But So h- how fast did you get going there? I'm not sure, but uh, it was probably around 60, I guess. Yeah, so you, you got you to gotta custom to the speed a little bit in the bandoleros, but would you say you learned how to drive more in the late models? Yeah, because I had my dad and my brother coaching me, and uh, they actually knew how to work on them, which um, helped me a little bit knowing what I know now. Well, yeah, I mean that that makes sense. But well, what I really want to know is what well what goes on in like the the week preparing for a race before the weekend? Because I know what what goes on in a midget or even a pavement sprint car, a micro sprint, but. I really got no clue what you what you do and what you maintenance on on a late model. Oh, uh, we we just make sure everything's intact and um, ready for the race. But usually at Pullman Gray, uh, we tear stuff up every weekend, so we always have a, a handful to do throughout the week. Um, but usually it's just fenders and bumpers, uh, and uh, definitely the fuel cell and um, the back bumpers. What we always got to work on when we race at Pullman Gray. What are the, some of the parts that you have to say? I don't know. Other than those, like cosmetic stuff, is there stuff that you have to maintain weekly? I mean, I I would guess you have to do brakes, oil, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, we always play the breaks. Uh, we always play the breaks on um, the week uh week before. Yeah, I'm the same way. I you don't really need to do it in the micros, but I'm always bleeding the breaks because <laughs> I use them a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean it makes sense. You know, use them in Bowman Gray, such a such a tight track. Yeah, right. I bet you're on them a lot. So let's talk about a little bit um your late mall experience. I don't know how much you got the race last season, but I believe I was talking about 2019. So what are your your uh, biggest highlight moments um through these past seasons in late models? Uh yeah, 2019 or 2018 was a little bit uh, race one race, and that was a ace, like I was talking about earlier. But 2019, we done a full season, and I won three out of eight races we had there and finished second in the championship by, like, three points. Um, my One of my biggest accomplishments was um, winning at Orange County after having a terrible qualifying run. Um, we came back, and uh, we won that race. And then the week after, we won the next race at Ace. So we won two back-to-back. I thought that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good season. And then about two weeks later, we went to Caraway and we won then. And then uh, we went to Hickory, and we got wrecked twice for the championship. And that's that was the end of the 2019 season. Um, but those were the uh, highlights of my 2019 season then. And then 2020, we actually uh, raced at Caraway. They came up with a thing called uh, the Bowling Great Sportsman Series, which we had around, mm, I'll say, six to eight cars every week. <clears throat> um, and I won three out of eight races there again. Uh, finished second in the championship again. Um, I'm always finishing second for some reason, but uh, we yeah, had... Nobody likes being the first loser. That <laughs> kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, being the first loser is never fun, and... Uh, I f- feel like it would be especially hard to do that at, at Bowman Gray Stadium because of the prestige around that racetrack. So just talk to us a little bit about how hard it actually is to win there. Oh uh, yeah, so um, for me it was very hard just because uh, it was my first season and I I felt like sportsman is the hardest class there. Um, but yeah, so there's about 21 cars on that uh, around a football field. And um, it's very hard to pass there without using the bumper. And uh, if you do use the bumper and you don't use it right, you probably cause a fight just because it's uh, called the Madhouse. But I I finished third there once in 2019. And um, I never, and I started on the pole like two races. And by lap five, I'm back there in eight. It it was the. it was very hard for me just because it's my first season. And I felt like it was the uh, hardest class too, and um, that's uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty hard for me. One thing I've realized is it's like it's kind of like a core midget racing days. You get you get moved on the outside groove, and you're going backwards. You're getting you're you're getting the freight train. Is that is that kind of how it is, or? Oh, that's how it is. The Talladega draft is right by you if you're stuck on the outside there. Yeah, that's, I mean. That's just that's just what it looks like from the grandstands, but I but I don't really know. But I mean, yeah, it makes I've, a lot of sense that you're racing around a little football field. Yeah, I've never actually been to the stadium, but I've I've obviously seen the TV show when it was on. I think it was on Discovery or maybe even the History Channel. But it that show it it was the drama and the the buildup of having to use a bumper and that kind of stuff. When you walk into that that facility, do you feel that same kind of energy, or is it kind of dissipated since the 
the film crew isn't there anymore. Oh no, it's definitely the same. Same, same old people, same old energy. Um, they're they're still gonna be looking for fights. Uh, and um, there's some people there who uh, even if you use the bumper, they won't get mad. But um, it's just Bowman Grace. It's called the Madhouse. What what are your what are your plans for the upcoming season? Uh, hopefully, hopefully COVID free upcoming season. Uh, for the twenty twenty one season, we're getting our cars ready for uh Bowman Gray. They're supposed to be opening. I think April seventeenth is their uh, first race, and um, the governor said that uh, we're looking we're in the clear right now. But they said that last year, and um, I f- things can change. Uh, but I want to keep racing late models until um, I feel like uh, I've done enough there, and then I do want to race uh, modifieds in the future. So you're you're gonna get rid of the fenders and kind of uh, go a little bit more open wheel on I that mean, modified. That that's what I would like to do. Don't know for sure. You gonna keep it at Bowman Gray? You gonna um modifieds? Uh, Bowman Gray's. Well, I mean Bowman Gray's is. Uh, very affordable, so we. I, I mean, it depends. Um, depends on what the money looks like. Yeah, that, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in here. That's that's one thing that I've realized over time at the stadium is it's a lot easier to keep sponsors happy and sponsors on the car at Bowman Gray Stadium because they do have that fan base um, of about ten thousand fans every week, um, and most short tracks that you travel to that they don't have the amount of fans like that. So if you're with the traveling series, it's basically just money coming out of your own pocket at that, at right. that point. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you on that. All right, Chase. Well, uh, thank you for working with us at race and rehab. Um, and, um, working with us in the future. We appreciate you coming on here. Hopefully we'll talk to you sometime soon. All right. See y'all. Thank y'all for having me. So now we're going to move on to a segment that we uh, started last week, um, story time with all three of us. And uh, we alluded to this one in episode one, I believe, where it was the national championship in quarter midges of the 2012 season. Uh, Me and Neil, it was our first year being friends. Um, we went into the last race at Eldora. Um, there's a little, they have a go-kart track and then a quarter midget track right off the side. Uh, I think it's turn three and four of the big track. So uh, we actually wound up doing a flip-flop because um, he was leading junior Honda. Uh, no, I, he was leading junior uh, animal. I was leading junior Honda going into this final race of a 12 to 15 race series. And uh, we wound up walking away with the opposite championship that we thought we were going to so i'm gonna pass this over to neil and he's gonna explain a little bit of what happened that that weekend oh, i just want to say that i had little to none dirt experience or little to no dirt experience and i mean we all did, we all did we all did i mean we were going yeah, i mean you had a little bit more than me though we ran the same races i mean we started at Terre Haute, and that was my first race on dirt and we ran Terre Haute, and then I don't even remember what the other one is. And then I think Eldora was the third one. So we were on an even playing field. All right. All right. Well, so we came in. I was I was leading the animal, and he was leading the Honda. 
um, which we were we were both really tight in, in both classes. Really, really could, really could go either way. So junior Honda, you know, I, I think I locked it into the A main out of the heat race. I'm not exactly sure where I started, but I mean, obviously it was top six. And but junior animal had a bad heat race. Kept put myself in a bad spot. You had to run the B main and missed it by one spot. And anybody that knows anything about quarter mids, that makes you the X car. So when you're the X car, you only go in if somebody else comes out. What is it? First lap? Yeah. So like within the first lap, if um, they don't get a green flag lap in and somebody junks their car and it's not able to go back out and they bring this X car and alternate onto the track and they can compete as if they made the feature. And uh, Neil was conveniently the X-Car for this junior animal race. And uh, I don't know what it was like in his perspective, but I saw him sit on his pit cart in the car for 30 laps and watch this race. And I, in Eldora, the little track, it's pretty far away from the pits, but he was at a, at a height on the pit cart where I could see him every time I came in a turn turn three and as a competitor it was kind of hilarious but i mean for neil it must have been had pretty sad for you to watch the other 10 cars go around oh yeah i mean yeah but i mean honestly i was had to watch the race had to know what had to keep my eye on you i think you had to finish top five or something like that no i had to win the race and you had to win i was i was farther back in animal than you were farther back in honda so i got first lap i got ran off the track yellow so i i had to go start from 10th and uh worked my way up and then got to the second and i'm not gonna name his name but kids started blocking me and then i kind of moved him out of the way for the lead and then my dad almost got in a fight with the i wound up winning the race and my dad got in a like a little little altercation with the his parent as i'm doing my victory lap so that was that was a little uh that's quarter major racing for you and then the honda race um started pulling that one in kind of choked and went from first to fourth in one lap and watched Neil ride off into the sunset with that championship. Yeah, I think I had to beat you and Honda by like two positions. And yep, it was and like you, right you got position. it. Yeah, it was you, then uh, Logan Heath, and then Aiden Purdue who runs uh, 600s and midgets now. So it's Yeah, but back to the animal race. I did sit in my car every single 30 laps and watch that race happen. I mean, mainly just because it was the best seat in the house and I had to watch this race. <laughs> Best I was not going. To, I, was, I was not going to take time to get out of my car and miss those two laps. <laughs> take to get out because you know anything can happen in those two laps. Yeah. Did you not have your gloves on and everything? I probably, probably. There? I think I might have had the helmet <laughs> off. But no, you had the helmet on because I could. I couldn't see your face. I saw your helmet. That was okay. Well, so I had funny. everything on. Then. It was so funny. Uh, not many people consider the the X car the best seat in the house. Uh, <laughs> Neil does. Butch Lamb uh, has called it in the past the kiss your sister position. It's it's the uh, best best spectating seat in the house. Let's, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking obviously for a I show, just be the obviously, X car. Obviously, I wasn't old enough to be sitting in the in the, uh, the pits, so I was technically in the pits. Legally. Yeah, <laughs> legally. But yeah, um, so. In conclusion there, I, I wound up with that junior animal um, national championship where it was a combined pavement dirt thing. And uh, Neil walked away with the junior Honda. So we just flip-flopped, flip-flopped, yeah, flip-flopped, like I said, what we had and uh, worked out. Uh, we both came away with something from that weekend and there were no really hurt feelings. 
obviously we were probably best friends going into it. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what would happen if one of us. I, I feel like we'd still be friends, but <laughs> be just more uh, drive and passion. Never hear the end of it. Yeah, we just yeah, have more drive and passion to beat each other in whatever video game, four wheeler, or even micro race we're in. So we don't need any more of that. The, <laughs> no, the, comp- just- the competition in this friend group is fierce. Yeah, um, I mean, it's pretty high. Yeah. So that concludes our little uh, Connor and Neil. Levi wasn't in this one story time, but uh, we have to move on to a new segment that's gonna we're gonna alternate segments this week, and we're gonna have Levi's Talladega Nights trivia. And uh, this one is, if you don't know anything about Levi Riffle, um, just know he he's a huge Talladega Nights and Will Ferrell fan. And whenever we're in uh, video games or even in real life together. He's always quoting movies. So we're going to have a couple questions here for him and uh, see how much he actually knows about the movie. Uh, so I'm going to chime in here. Um, this uh, trivia segment um, is not going to be about Talladega Nights every week. Um, Connor and Neil know that I'm a huge fan of um, comedy movies just in general. So basically anything that has Will Ferrell or Adam Sandler in it, um, I know quite a bit about. And I'm constantly quoting them when we're iRacing and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, I'm constantly having to tell Connor and Neil where I got that quote from. They're like, I've never heard that before, you know. So um, It's familiar. We just don't – can't put the pinpoint right, right. on it. Well, well, let's be honest here. He has all these movie quotes, but he also comes up with these quotes for not from anything, not from a movie or anything. Oh, yeah. I don't know where he gets them. I from. think it's just from like Southern culture or something because I'm I, down here too, and I know um, it's just it's just yeah. ingenious analogies. Let's oh, ingenious! Yeah. Now, that's a that's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. let's get into this. Uh, I I misunderstood what this segment was, but it's a comedy trivia uh section with uh, Levi Riffle. So the first question is, what is Ricky forced by contract to mention at every grace? His Powerade sponsorship. Um, yep. And their new flavor is Mystic Mountain Blueberry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Levi doesn't miss a beat here. First one, <laughs> he's already got it. And uh, <laughs> this is kind of a softball, but what are Ricky and Cal's nicknames by the end of the film? The Magic Man and El Diablo. And Will Ferrell thinks that El Diablo is Spanish for fighting chicken. <laughs> yeah, so you even got a bonus there. I'll give you bonus points. Uh, um, okay, hold on. My my computer just gave me an alert that Levi's birthday is tomorrow. So thank you for that, technology and Bill Gates. Um, all right, so question number three. This is a little bit more technical. Um, what does John Gerard say to Ricky and prompt him to reply? Well, that's strike two and three right there. Hello. It's, I I'm here. It's um I I have come come to America to defeat you, or something along those lines. Um. You would, yes, you would be correct with that. Okay. And then and then Ricky said, "Well, that strikes two and three right there." And then he uh and then he throws a punch in the bar, and then John Gerard pulls out some crawl McGall moves or something, and puts him in a um crack in my arm, arm like a crack in the Liberty Bell. <laughs> yeah. 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 What is the name of the first race that they start off with? What track and 
Like, what, what's the name of it? First race they start off with. Um, I'll give you. Are a you hint. talking about? It's kind of like a, a clash of these of two two big races, real life races that they kind of just come together. Are you talking about when they were on the crew, or when Ricky was on the crew, or when he was actually in a race car? No, I think it was. I think it was his first actual race. First actual race. His first actual race was the Talladega 500. There you um, go. Yeah, that's it. His his the driver um, left the car during a pit stop to grab a chicken sandwich and make a phone call. I know he was going to take <laughs> a piss. To, yeah, he had to pee. I know. I remember that. And then he's going to make a phone call after yep. he finished eating the chicken sandwich. Yep. That that was iconic. Yeah. So to quote uh, Chandler Bing, this is a threefold question. Um, so I need you in pop culture a um, representation of one of these the movie cars in NASCAR. I want you to give me the driver, the track, and what team was a Ricky Bobby scheme ran as. I think I know what you're saying. Um, Kurt Busch ran a uh, ran the final scheme that Ricky ran in the race in his final race in the final race in the movie, um, which was the Cougar on the hood that said "Me." Um, Kurt Busch ran that. When he was with Tommy Baldwin at Talladega, and I can't remember the year. I didn't ask for the year, so we're good. But unfortunately, it was with uh, Phoenix Racing, so it wasn't with... Um... Tommy Baldwin is Phoenix Racing, I think. No, no. He's not? No. Okay. All right, but... I got a question for you, Levi. Kind of kind of off, off the, the trivia. But the budget, what do you think the budget for Talladega Nights, what do you think the budget for the film was? Oh, Lord. Because some of, the, because some of those cut scenes, it, you know, even the racing scenes, they had to cost them a near fortune. Um, I think that I, we've seen them junk a lot of cars in that movie. I don't know what the average um, cost of a film is, but I'm going to say anywhere around $20 million. Seventy-two and a half million dollars. Okay, yeah, you got me there. I, yeah, I, yeah, anything <laughs> I it was like thirty. Yeah. <laughs> Why seventy-two million dollars? And that was in two thousand six. Uh, hey, well worth it, honestly. Oh yeah, for sure. They, they, well worth it. I think they made their their money back and just Levi watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're gonna close out the segment, and this one's gonna be. I think it's gonna be difficult unless Levi's seen this before. What were the six words that Will Ferrell actually used to pitch this movie? The best damn movie ever made. Close, but it was actually so simple. Will Ferrell as a NASCAR driver. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, look, okay. So the I, I'm pretty sure the front of the DVD case um, has Will Ferrell saying, <laughs> has Will Ferrell saying that. But, <laughs> hey, I only missed two. And um, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I I hope this segment does well. I feel like the fans of Racing Rehab will enjoy. Uh, Levi has his quirks too, like I have mine with tech stuff. So we just show our personality in this uh, 
the podcast as much as we can. We just hope the fans like it. So, uh, some people will say that my knowledge of some of these um, movies are is kind of scary. Yeah, um, whatever floats your boat. My, my mom yeah. finds it insanely weird. So, um, I think everybody does a little bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, I'm doing me. You do you. <laughs> this last segment was the last segment of the second episode, and we're bringing it back. Um, it's the Neil Allison. I'd take that bet. So I'm gonna go over a couple of the bets that we that he made or didn't make last week. Um, he did not take that the the bet that there will be more than twelve different winners in the Cup Series. There are four in the first four races. Yeah. Uh, so I <laughs> think I'm looking I think pretty that good one's on that. Come back to bite me. I do think that one's gonna come back to bite me. But I am gonna stick with my answer. I am gonna stay with it. Um, I'm, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna. Uh, stay my ground. All right. And so, so most of the questions I asked last week uh, won't be able to be answered until a couple of years down the road. But another one um, that we made, uh, and he he uh, agreed with me, um, all four Hendrick drivers will make the chase. They have two in there now because uh, Young Money uh, took the dub last weekend in Las Vegas. Spanked them, actually. So. But now on to this week's questions. Um, I haven't, I actually haven't shared these with Connor. Um, well, a couple of them, a couple of the ideas have came from him, but there are five questions this week. Um, and the first one is, uh, I bet that movie theaters will be non-existent five years down the road. Um, you know, the, the virus has kind of closed the the movie theaters and everything down, and people are being able to watch brand new movies in the comfort of their own home without having to pay twenty dollars for popcorn. So, um, what do you say, Neil? I I don't think I can take that bet. I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one because okay. I don't I just don't know many people that in our generation are just let's go out to the movie theater. You know what I'm right, and technology. I, I'm gonna go see Top Gun Maverick. I mean, well, if I can watch go, it at my own house yeah, exactly. for the same price, go, I'm definitely gonna do that. No, you need that cinema experience to. No, it's not that big of a deal for me. Like, yeah, Connor's well, not, not Connor's not a good example of this generation. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Connor, stop living in the 2000s. <laughs> How about um, 1980s? <laughs> um. So my next bet. And I'm kind of on the fence about this one. I might have, I don't know. It, it's, um, it could fly either way for me, but I kind of have this thought in the back of my mind. Um, and this being, um, I bet that Chili Bowl 2022 will have a new winner. I'm taking that bet. Okay. Uh, fair I'm, enough. Um, I'm going to have to go Christopher Bell or Kyle Larson. And because the fact, the past five seasons have, or the past five years have been Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, but we have seen a couple yeah, guys um, from the midget side of things like Timez and, and Justin Tanner Grant Thorson and Tanner Thorson. And, that they all have good, good showings, and they're all up there, but they just need that little bit more. Yeah, um, maybe next, maybe next year, maybe next maybe year, next year they'll find it. But I'm I'm still taking that bet. Okay. Um, my next question has to do with Bristol Dirt. Um, I think, 
or I bet that um, Bristol Dirt will continue through 2025 with um, NASCAR, whether it being the Cup Series or the Xfinity or um, the Trucks and the World of Outlaw Series, either World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, World of Outlaw Late Models. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. But what I would like to see is them go to tracks like Eldora and Knoxville and not just have this. Yeah, the, the, the dirt racing going to the actual dirt tracks, yeah. you know. Um, Bristol's, I, not, I, yeah, Bristol's not meant to be dirt. but I do, I do hope it continues just because I like NASCAR on dirt. Right. But I hope they, they expand it. Exactly. Okay. Um, my next question, or it's not, it's not even a question. I don't know why I keep saying that they're questions, but um, I bet that Timez will be a championship contender this year in the midgets. If you don't know who Timez is, it's Thomas Mesrall. Look him up. He's a life of the party. Um, I would say, I would go as far to say that he is the midget series Tony Stewart or Clint Boyer. He is very vocal. Definitely Clint Boyer. Sure. Yeah. Um, but so, um, I'm gonna have to not take that bet. I do. He, I think he's gonna be contender. I don't know exactly what you're classifying as contender, but I wouldn't be surprised if he won it. So I'm just he's to... he's there. He's there for the points race. He's there for the points. The last race of the season. That's what I'm classifying it as. I I could definitely. I I don't. I'm not gonna take that bet. Okay. All right. So you're agreeing with me. Um. Good on you. Because uh, I think Timez will do a great job this year. He's already got one win um, down there in Florida. Um, and my last bet uh, this week is I'm a I'm a huge fan of comedy movies, but I also like corny TV shows. Um, and I wouldn't go as far to say as Friends is corny. I love Friends. Um, I love the office and i think that nbc will have a follow-up series of one of its hit shows back in the days the office i i've never got that much into the office but i think everybody knows that i'm probably the biggest friends fan biggest friends fan uh here yeah i agree just take that bet neil just take it I'm I'm gonna have to take that bet. I I really haven't watched The Office. I know a lot of people do like it. Know a lot of people love it. But I'm just have to take that bet because I haven't seen really do anything like that before. Well, they are okay. So just to give you a little context, um, and I'll allow you to change your mind if you want to. But shows uh, that were very popular back in their time have done follow-up series like. Um, even in Disney and Nickelodeon, the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, they did Sweet Life on Deck. Um, iCarly, they're they're doing a follow up series um, coming out here soon. And Friends, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but HBO Max yeah, I was. is going to do like a I'm not sure what it is. It might be a, like a five episode series. It's like a, a reunion or whatever. Um, but anything like that. For the office, so. yeah, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stick with. I'm taking that bet. Okay, fair enough.
And that will pretty much do it for this week's episode of Race and Rehab Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for the following. Um, it's just three best friends uh, talking about their life, um, kind of in the limelight. And um, we appreciate you sticking here, uh, listening to us uh, week after week. We we did have a solid following to the second episode. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, you know, I thought it, we were kind of going to be a one-hit wonder in that sense. But um, a lot of you seem to enjoy it, and we enjoy it just as much, if not more, than you do. So thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Race and Rehab Podcast. Um, once again, follow our socials. We'll be posting updates on who our uh, who our next guest will be, and um, you know some of our different segments that are coming up, and a lot of our different apparel. Um, I'm actually going to have to order more T-shirts because I'm basically sold out at this point. I, I'm definitely so sold out. It's it's a good problem to have, and I can't thank you guys enough. Um, yeah, thanks, but that's going to be all. That's going to be all from me, Connor, and Neil this week. And uh, y'all have a good week, and we will see you back here um, hopefully next week. See you guys later. Thanks for listening.